0: Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects, and since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber to custom contract manufacturing, and warehouses full of custom hoses. Snow is once again on the ground as we record the podcast today, and Denver Rubber Company is your one-stop shop for anything and everything snowplows. They can cut snowplow blades to any length and pre-slot them for mounting to meet whatever your specifications may be. They are a locally owned business and always have been. You can buy from them in bulk at a fantastic rate, and they will hook you up with whatever Ever your product may need be it rubber, be it the custom die cut gaskets be it materials that even go in bulletproof vests be sure to give them a call for your snow plow needs today at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnbr and Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. here Shoots and scars! Nathan McKinnon! Col J T Comfort 877 goes now! Gabriel Landescock! Collective hugs! 29 and 92! See me by Drew Bauer! Move over, Picasso! This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious! <laughs> Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche Podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. Get on their app and check out their deals. They have a bunch of good ones going on right now. You can even order it to get delivered from either of their two locations in Centennial or in Highlands Ranch. They also have an insane stock in their stores. You really have to go down and check it out for yourself to see just how much alcohol they have and. On weekends, they'll even let you taste test some of it, as they do hold tastings there. Again, just download their app today and give them a look. Maybe pick up some Breck Brew while you're at it. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Haefeli. We are here on what is Wednesday, before the Abs play the New York Islanders tonight. We touched on it on yesterday's episode, but Martin Kaut will be into the lineup, and we're starting to get a little bit better feel. It looks like he will be playing on pierre Edward Belmar's wing. Evan put up a piece on the DNBR that I highly recommend you check out with some quotes from Belmar himself. AJ, are you, are you feeling confident about Count knowing that he gets to play against or play with, rather, this veteran-type
1: line? It feels a lot better knowing that he's going to be put on a line that is going to want to lean on a little bit more instead of going down and playing on the Kamenev Joe's Tyin experiment, I guess. The the other guys kind of line, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, straight up. Um I just I just think that this is this is encouraging, right? Like we wanted to see him get an opportunity. We didn't want to see another AHL uh Another AHL veteran who we've seen. We we didn't want Jason Magna. That's what I'm really saying. Pretty much, Dries would have been better than Magna, but even then, much prefer Caut. Um, I just, I'm excited about it, and I think Caut's a, gr- a great fit, just like Shane Bowers would have been. Caut's um, going to be a great fit in that they're looking for they're looking for a guy to help the bottom six. But yep, that's... through and through. That's what they're after. That's what they're gonna get. Uh, and this this lets him get his feet wet a little bit. This is, hey go just go play, man. If he doesn't get two in his head, and he doesn't get the the rookie nerves, and he just goes and plays. He should be just fine. Is there any thought
0: to potentially giving him some PK time? We've talked about how rough it's been on that side of things for the ABS, and. Matt Calvert, a key penalty killer for this team, is out
1: of the lineup. Uh yeah. Um I doubt it. Yeah. Um, but you know, they threw Jost out there a couple games ago. At that point, maybe they're willing so, to try anything. <laughs> exactly. Maybe maybe they are at the point where they're just like, look, let's let's try stuff. Because Count does PK in the AHL. And it's not,
0: I mean, the Eagles special teams are not the best. We'll put it that way, but it's something that he understands how to do. It's certainly something that should be in his repertoire long-term when he's looking to make the NHL full-time. So getting a look at
1: him there certainly wouldn't hurt in that regard. It definitely, and it would give him a chance to kind of flex the profile a little bit and say, Hey, this is who I am. And we know that they've tried to implement, similar systems in uh, Loveland as in Denver uh, and, and that he regularly plays the PK there. So it's not like he would have a major adjustment. He should be able to come in and be comfortable. Right. And
0: for someone like him, I've always said, I think he's going to be a better player in the NHL than he ever was in the NHL or still is because there's so much more structure when it comes to the NHL game, players are almost always where they're supposed to be and things like that. And that Cout plays a style that plays off of a team very much like that. He can struggle at times in the AHL because players are just all over the place. And when he, that player is there ready to receive the pass, when the player is hitting him with a pass when it's supposed to be coming, that's where I see Kaut really finding his footing early on.
1: Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm with you.
0: So, some hope there, certainly. On Belmar's line, you're hoping it's more of a 10-minute a type of thing, maybe even more in a perfect world, but not the six minutes a night we've seen from some call-ups in the past with guys like Drys, with guys like Magna where it's very clear that bednar doesn't really want to play him unless he absolutely has to and i what what's a successful call up here for count it looks like he's probably going to get a couple of weeks assuming he doesn't look abysmal are points a factor here at all or is this just a get your
1: feet wet in the nhl type thing <sighs> Uh, that's, I guess that's the question, right? Yeah. Uh, if I knew that man, for sure, boy, I'd be in the soup, right? I suppose. But, um, I, I both can it be,
0: yeah, it's yeah, sure I'll uh, allow because, it
1: because I mean, we're talking, we're, we're talking like, this is not a small trial here. Right. Like, like the abs, I sh- I should say, I'll rephrase. I'm sorry the abs are in need of a forward of some kind for the next couple of weeks, at least until Matt Calvert is back. Right. Yeah. And so this is, this is a legitimate shot both for, to, to, to give, to give count a look and for them to be competitive for them to keep doing their thing. If they did not think Martin Cout was going to help them, he would not have gotten the call. 100%. And it, It's likely going to be a decision
0: that they stick with just under the assumption of the trade deadline. I'm assuming Kout will get papered down so he can qualify for the AHL playoffs. But teams have limited call-ups after the deadline. And if Kout is still here as a papered player, he counts as one of them. So it's a bit more of a commitment than calling him up for a couple of random games in December.
1: I wonder.
0: They just try to sneak in a couple before the deadline, maybe?
1: I wonder...
0: He's wondering about something.
1: I wonder if they don't just keep him, man. You think? Yeah. Just
0: for the rest of the season, essentially? Yeah. I mean...
1: Because stick with me, he's gonna get a trial here. We know sure, that. Like sure. he's gonna get. A, he's gonna get some kind of a look. Yep. And you know maybe they send him down after this game because it doesn't go well, and then we're this whole pot is completely irrelevant. <laughs> it happens. Uh, but he's gonna get a look if he does well. Like if he does well, if he does perfectly fine. I mean. We're talking. TJ Tynan is still hanging around. He's got one assist I think fourteen games, thirteen games now, something yep. like that. So, yep. um, I think I think we've got a low bar here. It uh, is a low bar given given what all the other guys produced when they came up and how they played and blah 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 blah. So I don't I don't think that it's a very high bar to succeed to to be for him to. Com- make a case for himself. I think that not knowing entirely what, how long Calvert will be out, you know, maybe, maybe he comes back next week. Maybe he comes back in two weeks. If they keep Cal around and he just continues to play well, then why not just roll with him? Calvert comes back, he, you know, you move him around, you put him in a different spot and he keeps doing his thing. He keeps playing well. And then Kadri and Ranson didn't come back. You know, it, it's, it's time. It's, it's time that he push somebody. Right. And I, he, they could certainly paper him, but I think that would definitely depend on what they do at the deadline. If a forward gets moved out at the deadline, I think there's a legitimate shot that we're talking about Martin Cow just being here.
0: Yeah. the The one reservation I have about that is his contract does slide.
1: So, do the Abs get to Game Nine and say, "Boy, we want the five year ELC." You know, I they've come close enough that I think it's an interesting conversation. But at this point, I don't, I don't care that much. You're still going to get. It's not. I mean, this is his ELC is going to be less valuable than Kale McCarr's because of the second contract. Sure, he's not going to be making eight mil on that deal or whatever. Right. And, like, and really, the the th- the 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 big value on Couts uh, on a five year ELC for Cout is the last year. Because by that point, you expect he's a full-time NHL player. He's a full-time NHLer, he's got a role, and then you're going to kind of have an idea of what contract to give him next. And by then, they will have, you know, Gerard's extension will have kicked in, Grubauer's potential next contract, or whichever follow-up goaltender, whatever happens there, will be underway, uh we will be into the next Landeskog and McCarr contract. So the last year of that is still very, is would, would really be the big value, but not believing that he's going to be a 60 point guy and is going to be like, Oh man, we need to give him, we need to give him six or $7 million on his next contract. I'm not so worried about that part of it. I, if he can help them, for the next several weeks and they don't make a move for a forward or, you know, the deadline is a real X factor here as well. Um, because if they go out and they get a forward, uh, another guy, and they don't move somebody out, then that makes the numbers game almost impossible for him to stay. Right. It certainly and then at that a point, lot of moving parts. Yeah. And and then at that point, then you're definitely talking about, you know, just send him down for just, just, just to preserve it because there's no point not to. You so know, if he can help the NHL team, I'm not worried about the contract. If they make the moves and put the bodies in front of him again, then go ahead and send him back down and it's fine. But I do think that this is an opportunity for him to make a legitimate case to just
0: be- to stay. Yeah. 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 Yep. Like you said, try and push somebody like a Matt Nieto and, and, lock up that spot for next year even as well. Yeah,
1: I mean if he plays well enough and the abs get the abs get healthy then maybe they would consider um, you know and, and say he does play on the PK and he does show well maybe they would consider moving Matt Nieto out. He's got three He's games fan. before the deadline to prove it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's not enough time for them to yeah, I, I don't think so. But to to give up on on who's been a very proven player for them, and I'm it's not something I'm saying that they should like strongly be looking to do, but something to consider. He is a pending UFA. You're probably not bringing him back. Um, the ex, the the other the other kind of story here that we haven't really talked about is if Colin Wilson gets healthy at some point, then that's another body that's going to be around. I don't know that they would like throw him in the lineup immediately but in terms of keeping a guy like Cowd around to shift in or out uh, of the lineup, like Colin Wilson's health plays a role in that as well. Yeah. I mean,
0: it's weird to think about him, but I actually had, he was mentioned earlier today when I was recording something else and I had to actually sit there and think for a second to even remember Colin Wilson's number. That's how far out of the, sphere of my thoughts he's been so it he is a still an av and you know what when he's healthy he does he plays some okay hockey so you never know with that it, yeah, it's just you know, so hard
1: to tell when colin wilson's been healthy he's been a, he's been a good av like he's been productive
0: right exactly so it, the numbers game is going to get extremely interesting to say the least for now martin kaut Is going to give the abs whatever he's got, and we'll see where he lands over the next couple games, potentially past the trade deadline, potentially the rest of the year. But we will end the first period there, as it's time to crack open a Breckenridge Brewery to celebrate Martin Kaut's first NHL game. Check them out. Highly recommend their Avalanche Amber Ale, as it's the easiest one, the simplest one, the classic You can also get a little fancy. Go with AJ's Strawberry Sky. If you're a basketball fan, go get the Mile High City. Tons of different beers, which you can find on the Breck Beer Locator online on their website. I... I don't even need it. I just roll up into my local liquor store and pick the first Breck brew I find. I'm not going to lie to you. That's I, I keep it simple. But if you want something specific, try that out. Also, be sure to show up on Saturday for our late night watch party against the LA Kings. Be sure to RSVP. We will certainly be drinking Breck beers over at the Blake Street Tavern that night. So come by and say hello. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits with Rudo and AJ. We've talked a lot about the deadline. As it approaches, we're just going to continue talking about it. But something we've been talking about for months is not the numbers game on the forward side, but the numbers game on the defensive side for the Avs. With Byram coming, with potentially Timmins pushing for an NHL spot, It does seem like there's going to be an odd man out, if not at the deadline, certainly in the offseason for the abs. We've talked about Zadorov a lot as being a piece that could be moved out. We've talked about Ian Cole to some extent being a piece that they could try and flip as a veteran rental to someone. We haven't talked as much about Ryan Graves as another potential option. I think it's very fair to say Kale McCarr is not getting traded. Sam Gerrard is not getting traded. Eric Johnson has an NMC. Very, very unlikely to be traded. But Graves, look, he's established himself as an NHL defenseman, and that's potentially, to a certain extent, cost-controlled. Teams
1: are going to find that valuable, are they not? They're going to find it very valuable. Uh, We're seeing um this this market has gone crazy uh over veteran defensemen who are on uh pending UFA deals. And the one the one who has been on uh the, Alec Martinez got traded to Vegas. He got two second round picks. He's 32 years old and he's his deal only runs through next season. Right. You're looking at the floor of these defensive deals and Dylan Demello got a third rounder. As the
0: absolute lowest price so far, most of them are getting a second plus,
1: right? And so I think it's I think it's worth talking about. You know, while Graves has been a, a legitimate revelation for them, he's been solid. Um, you might be looking at a at a situation where it's as good as it gets for him, right? Like realistically, this could be as good as it gets. And if a team is calling for you, you know that you have the expansion draft next year. You know that you have Bowen Byram. You know that you have Connor Timmons. It's just a numbers game. It has nothing to do with Graves not living up to expectations or not being worth it or anything like that at all. It would 100% about being somebody making it worth their while and Colorado saying, look, we got this guy in a minor league swap. He ended up being found money for us. Now let's cash in this lotto ticket and upgrade it forward, knowing that we can reasonably expect to replace him in the next year or two. Not, right. and, and, and it's, again, I stress, it is nothing against Ryan Graves uh, or, or, or not believing that he's a good player, or anything like that. It is just maximizing the player's value. Right on the business side of things. It's it's kind of the opposite, even. It's the fact that he has been such a good player
0: is why he's so valuable right now. Right. We would not have been talking about him at the trade deadline otherwise. So, it's just a, a very interesting situation where we know that Zadorov is going to have some value, kind of the same situation where an expiring deal, but he's an RFA, so teams control his rights at the very least. Graves... The same, but also going to be significantly cheaper, if a little bit less experienced in the NHL, and certainly on the offensive side at least, putting up significantly better numbers than someone like Zadorov. So if if a team is looking for more of a, a two-way guy or or someone with even a little bit of offensive upside, Graves might be significantly more interesting to them.
1: It definitely could be. So a little bit of a different look to yeah, have it, on the market. I mean, if you're a team, let's just go with Montreal. Montreal's the hot team today that everybody's talking about. Mark Bergevin is in Denver for the second straight game. Um, much Mont- um, uh, AB scouts are taking in another HABs game
0: today. So there's, there's some connections there to say the least. <clears throat>
1: so, I just, I just think that there's enough smoke there that we can have this conversation, right?
0: Sure, I, we already had talked about Tatar the other day, so right.
1: And you look at a guy like Graves. What, what is Graves? What, what is Graves given an NHL team like Montreal? Gives him a, a an, in his prime, younger, younger player. on defense, a big body, a guy that, that more of an old-school organization like Montreal is going to like, and a guy that they can sign for relatively cheaply over the next several years. Like, there's going to be value there, right? Yep. It's not hard to see where a team would value Ryan Graves in that situation. And, you know, just looking at Montreal's D-Core here, they have
0: Shea Weber, who is often hurt, Something they have to deal with. Jeff Petrie, a very solid, veteran defenseman for them, and then it it kind of falls off pretty quickly. They have Victor Mete, who has started to establish himself as a a legitimate NHL defenseman, but the offensive He's production they were hoping out of him has just not been there. He's a poor man, Sam Gerard, Right, exactly. So again, I'm just kind of looking at they're lacking offense from their defense because, one, Shea Weber is getting older and is hurt all the time. And guys like Vic, Victor Victor Mete aren't producing the way they had hoped. And that leaves them to rely on a 32-year-old Jeff Petrie to produce most of their offense from the back end. And they run through a handful of other guys in their defense, whether it be Chiarat or Christian Folan, Ben... Ben Brett Kulak I'm struggling with names today but <laughs> they just don't get very much production out of that back end right and that's where you look at Nikita Zadorov and you say maybe he can help them on the back end but he's not really going to be playing on their second power play unit or anything like that maybe Ryan Graves could fit in
1: in that regard yeah yeah <clears throat> he would make a lot of sense, man. And I'm not even saying that the F should be in a hurry to move him. But if, if they're wanting to keep Timmons, you know, if they're wanting right. to keep, if they're wanting to kind of keep that future core four on defense that they have, that they've built, uh, you know, with Gerard, McCarr, Timmons and Byram, Graves is kind of the way to do it. Zadorov is the way to do it. It's, it's going to come at the cost of a guy who's helping your team right now. And that then- will, that, that, that could definitely hurt. You know, maybe Connor Timmons isn't ready to come up. Maybe Callie Rosen, Mark Barberio is not able to ably fill that role in the way that we believe that they could. But they've got enough defensive depth that that it could at least make a conversation for them selling high on Graves. I don't think that they'll do it. I, for the record, I haven't heard much about it, but it is an interesting idea that kind of an off the wall idea uh, that we haven't really talked about uh, at the deadline almost because he's kind of the forgotten man.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it does seem like that a little bit. And you're starting to kind of nibble at the other side of the coin of this conversation. If you're planning on keeping Graves around, if you're planning on keeping potentially Zadorov around or not flipping an additional D in the off season, when does Connor Timmins become more valuable as a trade piece than a future defenseman?
1: Uh, today today yeah i mean just if that's what you want then today it's really just all about how the avs want to how much they want to push for the next for the for a cup to be a cup contender this year next year the year after that how much they want to kind of profit open and say this is a five to seven year window but they also you also have to keep in mind that they absolutely have to kind of go for it here during McKinnon's contract because life gets a whole lot harder when Nathan McKinnon is making 15 million dollars it sure does
0: just ask chicago about paying Kane and Tays maybe you can still get another cup but the the cap is going to crash on you eventually it's yep. just the way the nhl works in the modern era so There is a bit of sense of urgency now that is still over the next four years. It's not right now. And that's where you get into the conversation of, look, are you willing to hold on to Timmons and have him be part of this team potentially next year, potentially the two years after that? Or can you move him as part of something else to get another piece like a Tatar that helps you in the next two years or potentially even something that can help you across the the whole length of what's left of McKinnon's deal.
1: Uh yeah, the <clears throat> the issue with the guy the issue with the guy like Timmins is that one he's not in the NHL already. Uh two then then you're going through the first 2 years of figuring it out, right? Yeah. Like it, it, you're going through the rookie growth, the young player stuff. And uh, now, okay, those two years are up. Now we're in McKinnon's final season.
0: Yep, and on the there are teams in the NHL right now that would take Timmins and put him on their NHL roster. So that's a value point for Timmins that there are teams that will want him to be an NHLer today, where the Avs have not yet been willing to make that commitment.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of it. And with Timmons, you know, with the, the addition of Byram and the likelihood that even if he doesn't push this year, which we talked about yesterday, he's going to be on the team next season. He just is. He's going to be an Av next year. Yep. And, and that- uh, is a cup contender then going to play two rookies? Like, we've talked about this a lot this year. Now that we're at the trade deadline, this is where Timmons' name comes up. And again, has nothing to do with the belief in Timmins as a future player, but as a very valuable trade piece. Right. It's a numbers game,
0: and if you're not willing to move out a current NHL roster player, then there's not going to be room for Timmins. It's it's pretty straightforward. Honestly, you may even need to move two, depending on how you want to shake things out. Yep. So something's got to give there. It, maybe it doesn't have to be at this deadline. Maybe it's an offseason thing, but... The numbers aren't adding up right now,
1: so they are not.
0: We will see where that goes. In the meantime, I want to say that the Avs should act like vultures during the trade deadline, but it doesn't quite work. Raptors are birds too, though, so it it was close. I almost got there, but if you haven't heard, Raptors are birds too. Yeah, they are. Wise words. It's a fact. They're also an awesome rugby team that we here at DNVR are now covering. Colton Strickler is on the beat, taking you behind the scenes with the DNVR Raptors podcast, as well as his written Raptors content on the DNVR.com. He's building a really cool community on the DNVR Raptors Twitter account as well. And if you've ever wanted to get into rugby, this is the time to start, be it on Twitter, be it going to games be it just figuring out what the rules even are. That's kind of what we've been doing over the last little while here. And for those that don't know the Raptors play at infinity park in Glendale, just East of cherry Creek. And this is an awesome venue to check out. They have a bunch of cool stuff going on. Adults can get into games for just 20 bucks right now. And when you buy tickets at coloradoraptors.com kids are just $5. So search for the DNBR Raptors podcast after our show and become a fan of Colorado's pro rugby team. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Nathan Rudolph AJ Haefeli. AJ has already mentioned Bergevin is in town to catch the Avs game. The Avs have scouts following the Habs around We've talked about Tatar but there's a lot of other rumors flying in and around Let's start this off very simply Carey Price is not getting traded to the Avalanche. It's just not gonna happen
1: yeah, can we stop with that?
0: <laughs> so put that to bed. If you want carry Price, I'm sorry. I imagine most of you don't because that contract is kind of a nightmare. And the Avs don't want anything to do with it. They do have other things going on here, though. Obviously, the never-ending conversation about Jonathan Druin continues on. I don't think there's anything to it. I, I know a lot of people have been calling for it. Basically Druin's entire NHL career at this point to reunite him with McKinnon. But for me, if it hasn't happened yet, it just doesn't seem to be in the cards. That's how I see it.
1: I'm so over the Druin thing, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I really am. I I've kind of sniped at some people on Twitter about it because I'm like, can we just stop with this? <laughs> Like I have not heard about any kind of Colorado Druin connection basically since Wa left. Yeah. So for me, I'm just like, let's just put it to bed. Let's move on. And move if it on. Not e- it's honestly not even like it's a bad idea. Like, he's mid-20s. He's signed for the next couple of years at like five and a half million, which and these days, for a top six player, like we're 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 sitting around talking about signing Burakovsky to that, and he could be on his way to a sixty point season. Yep. Like, <laughs> you know, like it's it's not a bad, it's not the worst idea to go and get a mid twenties cost controlled top six forward who can help you. But the problem Duran gives nothing to you defensively is absolutely awful in his own end. There has noted attitude problems that have followed him from Tampa Bay to Montreal and this whole idea that Nathan McKinnon and Jonathan Duran being back together, I wouldn't even play them together. So <laughs> they'd be on the
0: same team, but it wouldn't be
1: some right. Line I'm, reunited. Yeah. I, would be, I would, I would start by putting him next to Kadri. You know, obviously this is assuming health um, because Duran was always a great playmaker, a slick, a slick passer and, and great vision high hockey IQ, I'm going to put him with the trigger, man. I'm going to put him with a guy that likes to shoot a lot. Yep. That's what I'm going to do. And then I'll probably have Landis on the other side from that. To, to round out the defense a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just to round out a little bit of an all around game where, you know, Landis just kind of does a little of, uh, of everything for every line that he's on. Sure. Assuming he's playing well. I understand somebody's listening to this and freaking out that, He's been terrible, AJ. Like I, 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 know he has not been good. But assuming that they get the best out of him, uh, if a guy's not playing well, then you know
0: he's doesn't not really matter well. what line you put him on but when he's struggling. Yeah,
1: it's honestly not like Duran is a terrible idea in a vacuum, but it's the idea of Duran because he was McKinnon's line mate in junior, and I'm always like, okay, well then why don't they go get Martin Frick? That guy's an AHL lifer. But he played on that. (laughs) McKinnon would do way more for his career than he would do for Duran's at this point. It's true, but realistically, uh, I just haven't heard a lot about it. And it's funny that people are will be so like, we don't want to, we don't want to bring in a locker room cancer. No, Evander Kane, Jonathan Duran, though, and it's like Duran is inside the game has worse of a reputation in his locker room than a guy like Kane. Yeah. Now today, a few years ago, not the case, obviously, but today. So I, yeah, I just think that that's interesting.
0: Interesting to say the least. I'm not sure if there's anything to any of these names, but just kind of looking up and down Montreal's roster. If Tatar isn't it, you have someone like Max Domi having a bit of a down year would be an RFA at the end of the season. Would love Max Domi. So that would be fun. I think the cost would be pretty steep, given he had a seventy-point season last year. Um, but certainly someone who has has bounced around a little bit, you know, leaving Arizona. You have Brendan Gallagher as well. Kind of an interesting guy if you're looking for another pesty type that style of of grittiness that the abs have oft been said to need more of uh, beyond that boy I don't I don't know do you have a
1: lot of belief in Philip denot or something maybe like a fine player yeah like, but no like really and Max Domi was a guy that Colorado absolutely pursued when Arizona was looking to dump him for pennies right They just didn't have Alex Galchenyuk to give up on at the time. Yeah. If if Montreal wants to recreate that deal uh, and, and take on Tyson Jost, that's a deal I would do. Sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, it's going to be a whole lot more pieces than just Jost moving around there. But if there's a, a core base of a trade there, it's something that the, the phone line should definitely be open on. Um. Yeah, I, I don't know. A lot of people have talked about potentially adding on the D side. I'm not for that, given everything we just talked about in the second period. But really, I mean, no one's taken on Shea Weber's contract. That's not happening. So the only real option for Montreal there is is, is Jeff Petrie. And I don't love that for a 32 year old defenseman. I, I, you know what, maybe if Cole's going back the other way or something, that starts to make a little bit more sense, but I don't understand how you put him on the abs without moving a defenseman out, and why would you swap a younger defenseman that has been solid for you in a Cole or, Zdor- or a Zadorov or Graves, rather, for a Petrie, who's then going to go on and, and block Timmins or Byram or whoever, like we've talked about?
1: Sure. Sure.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Basically, I'm against the
1: abs trading for a D. Is what I'm yeah, saying. I'm. I'm. We've. I. I feel like I've said my piece on the the defenseman. Where if they're gonna do it, make it for a legitimate big time upgrade. Otherwise, don't bother. Sure. That don't. That, they don't need to nibble around the edges with depth. Yeah.
0: I'm. I'm with you on that. I. I think the same. Applies to the forwards as well for
1: the most part. Yeah. Um, Nate Thompson, speaking of Montreal, Nate Thompson for a fifth round pick is like my nightmare.
0: Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's coming and you just don't want anything to do with it. Yeah. (laughs) So we'll see. We'll see. Um, I guess on the goalie front, we should probably touch on it. Obviously, we talked about a lot more optimism around Grubauer on yesterday's show, but Friedman on 31 Thoughts did say it, it sounded like the Avs had inquired about Corey Crawford.
1: Which was funny uh, right after our conversation.
0: Right, right, yeah. Um, we we did talk about this in, in the doomsday scenario where Philip Grubauer was going to be out longer term. Yeah. It, that was maybe an option. From what it sounds like today, I, I can't imagine there's much there, though. So...
1: Uh, yeah, it's just with Grubauer sounding like it's going to be shorter term. I would be surprised if they did anything at goalie.
0: So, and we've talked many times about the chaos of acquiring a goalie mid season as well.
1: Right. I mean, you're switching goaltender coaches. You're trying to adjust to defensive systems in front of you, um, building up the rapport with uh, on, on the PK and with the defensemen in front of you, figuring out how to communicate with all those guys. All that stuff on the fly. It's really hard to do. It takes a lot of time to build that up, Um, and and trying to get, you know, you go and get a goalie for four games. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough. Like I, I again, no offense to Hunter Misca. If it's a longer term thing, I don't. I would rather that than than trying to win much needed points with Hunter Misca, but. It's, you know, giving up like a second round pick or something for a guy that's going to play five games for you, that's a no-go. It would have to be very cheap price. Right. You're talking about dirt cheap prices for sure in yeah. in that regard. and Like a and, conditional sixth rounder or something where well, it's like if he plays 10 games, they get the pick.
0: That's why Crawford's name comes up, right? He's a pending UFA that's starting to age out
1: of the NHL just in general. Yeah, well, and he has, like, that championship experience. Right, right, um, yada, yada, yada. The veteraniness, and, you know, now that he's proven to be healthy enough to play the last couple of years, it's like he could probably slide into a legit backup role into the twilight of his career if he wanted to. Yep. So if if he wanted to hang on, and if he doesn't want to anymore, and the injuries have taken that toll, you could totally understand that guy being like, yeah, I'm I'm good.
0: Yeah, I would not blame him three cups is three cups that ain't ever going to change but, uh I, I guess we can kind of start to wrap things up we got to save some trade news for for friday and then monday of course now that i said that the abs will trade everything tomorrow but yeah. that's the
1: way it goes <laughs> if anything happens over the weekend we'll have an emergency show as well of which, course yeah you know we'll be on top of whatever as these things continue to progress Uh, Colorado has been heavily involved in a lot of things. And honestly, fans should get used to this. Um, if, if they're going to be in the thick of it for the next several years, like we believe this is exactly the kind of deadline that they're going to have to get accustomed to living through
0: some spicy deadlines ahead. That is for sure. Any final thoughts beyond that, AJ,
1: or are we out of here? I hope future spicy deadlines feature better players. That sure would be nice. It was stop. more fun when this was Mark Stone.
0: Yeah, stop trading Taylor Hall in December so we can trade him in February instead. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. yeah, You know, they should They should probably try and flip him, but
0: I understand why they won't. Yeah, they should, but it you committed. <laughs> You're sunk cost fallacy mode now. Um Anyway, we're going to get out of here. Thank you, as always, for listening. Varley's return to the can tonight should be interesting, and you know we will be talking about it tomorrow. There is only one place you can get a true Colorado mountain pie. It's your favorite locally-owned, legendary, unbelievably delicious pizza joint, Bojo's. Be sure to mention DNVR when you go, and you'll get a free honey cheese bread with a purchase of an entree, or as the DN, the DSP, the Denver Sports Pod folks mentioned the other day, Honey Spoon, I guess. I'm not really sure, <laughs> but honey spoons. there you go. Honey Spoons or you can go get their salad bar. They have Breck Brew on tap. They even have four dollar happy hours, something to make everybody happy. Again, just remember to mention us to get that free honey cheese bread with your pie.
1: Our avalanche with pay hatefully-